Hello, and welcome to Ceremony Circle. I am Allison Charles Story, your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling Animal Power book and card deck. And today is episode 111, featuring my husband, Luke Story. And the very first time Luke and I met years ago was when he had me as a guest on his The Lifestylist podcast, and I was his episode 111. So I wanted to return the favor and weave in some of that magic over here on my show, where we're going to highlight our evolution from just meeting on his 111 to now married and recording together in our home on my 111. And many of you probably already know Luke, but for those who don't, Luke's story is a motivational speaker, writer, philosopher, and teacher of metaphysics and devotional non-duality. He's also the creator and host of the top-rated Lifestylist podcast, which has gained over 11 million downloads. He is widely regarded as a leading health and wellness expert and pioneer. His passion, purpose, and gift are to articulate transformative principles of spirituality, addiction recovery, and mental, emotional, and physical health optimization. And Luke has spent 25 years refining the ultimate wellness lifestyle and spiritual philosophy for personal growth and healing. And his teachings combine timeless spiritual practices. And before establishing himself as a thought leader in the health and wellness industry, Luke had a successful career in Hollywood as a musician and then went on to be a celebrity fashion stylist. He worked with Aerosmith and Kanye West, Foo Fighters, no doubt, Kim Kardashian, and a bunch more. And when we go back to childhood, it is definitely a testament that Luke shares from a very embodied and lived experience. He has overcome tremendous adversity, ranging from childhood trauma and adolescent criminality to years of chronic drug addiction. And that was followed by over two decades of recovery and steadfast commitment to inner work and personal development. Then in 2022, he founded Gilded by Luke Story, the world's first fashion-forward blue-blocking eyewear brand. And of course, he continues to empower people worldwide to become free of limitation and suffering by sharing his mindfulness strategies and tools for physical and emotional vitality. He lives here in Austin with me and our silly sweet doggy Cookie and our silly sweet cat Harry Gatto. And in today's special episode 111, Luke and I share details of our spontaneous Vegas wedding. And yes, Elvis did marry us. And the magic of our first three dates, how we also got completely spontaneously spiritually married at the closing of a sacred grandfather medicine ceremony. My intuition told me to go back and listen to when I was on Luke's podcast all those years ago. So today we're able to reflect with you all the ways that we've grown. We cover what my strongest spiritual gifts are and Luke's and how they balance each other. And most importantly, for the very first time ever, Luke and I share very vulnerably about our journey in beginning our own family, some of the most miraculous, harrowing, and shocking steps that this voyage has brought to us. And there's tons of other magic inside, so I just want to get to it. So welcome to Legendary Tales of Our Sacred Union with me and my husband, Luke Story. Hello, wife. Hi, husband. Did we talk about on any podcast when we got married last year? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I just flashed back on that hilarious and beautiful moment with Elvis. <laughs> yeah, Elvis reincarnated. At the Graceland Chapel. 
That was, I would say for sure, I mean, how could it not be one of the top three highlights of one's life to completely, I mean, 100% spontaneously feel called to get married on like a two-day trip to Vegas that we were going for work. Just the orchestration of all of that and the hilarity and how it just ended up to me feeling so perfect and so us, just that divine river guidance that has been so pronounced and so clear ever since we shifted out of the friend zone and, and also just how we have so much fun and every moment feels so special. And I also love the sacredness of the fact it was literally simply you and I, Elvis and the photographer is our witness. While I hope one day to have a wedding probably here in the Austin area that has, you know, all of our close friends and soul fam and bloodline fam there to witness us say vows to each other. I really, really love that no one was there but us. I did too. It was fun. And I think whether it's been spoken or not, I think we have a family motto. If it's not fun, we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just like, or if it's, yeah, if it's not in divine alignment, we're not. Yeah. Doing it. If it's, if it's, I don't know, just everything we do, I think that is meaningful for our relationship tends to be spontaneous and just based on intuition much more so than, than planning. And the whispers of spirit. I mean, that's totally what happened as the plane, I, I actually, I mean, I'm very well traveled, but that was my very first time ever going to, to Las Vegas. I'd been to Reno and other parts of the state, but yeah, I'll never forget is our plane was about to touch down this. I almost called it a whisper, but it was actually louder and clearer than that. I remember the area in my head that that messaging, that download entered in. And I remember that message making me turn to you just effortlessly and organically and saying, you know, we could get married while we're here. And that had never crossed my conscious mind until that moment. And the way, yeah, the way that it all came together. I love that you, you know, cause then the, the plane was landing and we were kind of gathering our belongings. And I love that there was no moment of conversation about it then And I wasn't even sure if you heard me. And then later at dinner, you were like, sweetie, did you mean what you said earlier about getting married and how our friend Kamala, you had the intuition to reach out to her since she has Vegas roots. And then within less than 10 minutes, yeah, Graceland came through and had an opening. It was booked. One text, 10 minutes later, you're on for tomorrow at 3 or 4 p.m. No, I remember the three. I was just going to say that because as you and Kamala were texting, you said, do you have a time preference? And I thought to myself, 3 o'clock, like that instantly appeared in my mind. But then I thought, ah, time doesn't really matter. It's always 3 o'clock somewhere, you know, in the world, like just whatever opening they have. So I didn't audibly, I didn't express it. And then you texted with Camel and then there you said, okay, they've got three o'clock booked for us. I was like, that's the time that I wanted. So it just, from the small details to like just the overall big picture orchestration, it was all just so, so clearly divine and fun. Well, it's been interesting in our experience to see how so many of the big 
moments have been orchestrated and that all we've really had to do is just be open to them. The yeah. first one being, and I'm sure some people listening have heard the story because it's one of my favorites and I'm sure I've talked about it with you or other people. But we had that interview, which we're going to talk about a bit because we listened to, at least I listened to most of it with you this morning. I still haven't, <laughs> I haven't heard the end. I think I've listened. We listened to it once before about a quarter way. Today was about halfway. And then you walked downstairs and I didn't hear the end of it. But our meeting that day and listening to that today, that was really our first date. I just, I don't think I was aware. Well, I know I wasn't aware of it at the time. It didn't contextualize it as such, but that led <laughs> to a friendship. And then of course, eventually when I did ask you on a proper date, like a proper gentleman, we went on two dates and then we went um two of my favorite things kundalini and pizza yeah yeah kundalini was our new year's eve first date the when i and my birthday being new year's day so at midnight it was also my birthday so that was like a big first date yeah. not only is it the new year but birthday and then um and then yeah we went to that sweet little spot to have some good food for the yeah, second bel campo no longer there shrouded in controversy shrouded and then shortly after that second date, you had gone back to New York and I mentioned to you that I had been invited to a peyote ceremony and you deduced that it was some friends of yours that were in fact hosting and facilitating that. And so you came out and we went to that and we were married. So <laughs> on our third date, really uh, in a ceremonial way, I think that the people facilitating and you saw some things that day about our bond and the possibility for our union that I couldn't see in the moment, but was yeah. alerted to over the course of the weekend. And I yeah, can... but part of you did know, and the same thing, I, there's just like, keep where you're at, but there's like important points I don't want to lose track of. Yeah. So yes, our, to answer one question when you were like, I, I've never heard the end of 111 when I was on The Lifestylist, I listened to the end of it today and it was funny. You said a lot of really nice things about me. Uh, in the intro, you were raving about what a profound experience you had sitting with me and you were like, I know I've probably said this before, but this might be my favorite episode. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that part. So that was in the intro and then in the outro... I thought it was funny. I made note. You specifically said again, how much you loved the episode because you had listened back. This was still when you were doing your own show notes, FYI. Oh, wow. You were like, yeah. So when I listened back to do the show notes, he's like, yeah, she and I, we had a thing going on. And I just thought <laughs> that that was hilarious, like unconscious foreshadowing yeah. of that phrase. We had a thing going on. And then, yeah, indeed we had a thing going on. Now we sit here married in our home. Well, I, I mean... I had the awareness that I saw you as a female of interest for sure. Right. But also, as you know, I had my own path that I was on at the time. Which Well, and I did too. Yeah. We were both celibate. Yeah. yeah. And which, I think, yeah, we've shared Which that. didn't include any sort of dating or flirting or even entertaining of those ideas. But I remember thinking like, ah, oh, damn, you know, I'm like, it's bad timing. I met this incredible woman, but I, I have to stick to my guns here and do the inner work. Well, but there were openings on a soul level that we were not meant to consciously yeah. be that aware of. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. But yeah, it was a really powerful experience for me because... I think that was the beginning of 
starting to communicate more vulnerably on my podcast and on other podcasts and, and just to be more revelatory and open and pushing the boundaries of oh, how much detail I hmm. chose to go in about my personal experience and current day experiences, you know, and um, you created such a safe and loving space in which I was able to do that. And I think that was, I mean, just your energy and your, just how your fun and the wisdom that you shared. I mean, that was impactful, but I think experientially it was just, wow, I'm in the presence of a really magnetic, wise, beautiful woman. And I felt so safe and so just relaxed and able to be myself, you know, which was kind of a new experience for me at the time. But back to the peyote ceremony when that happened. And yeah, I mean, obviously my intuition was guiding me to go with you. And that was even uh, somewhat out of alignment with the confines I had created for myself so that I could evolve and change and become a better man in relationships. And I, I was kind of bending my rules a bit to go on that weekend. So I walked into it with a knowing that it felt right, but also some conflict within about just that manifested as reservations because I'm not really supposed to be doing it like this. Like I had a very rigid and well-intentioned plan to go slow and well in a lot of respects we were going slow but when we were spiritually married on our third date in the teepee we had barely kissed at that point true i mean we had not come close at all to deeper intimacy and i also want to add your intuition also came in the way that we came together to sit and these two back-to-back nights of sacred peyote medicine was me just checking in truly to, cause I just simply wanted to hold space for you. And I texted you and I said, can you remind me when you'll be sitting um, with grandfather medicine and your intuition said, why do you want to come? <laughs> and that literally had not crossed my mind at no. all. And then, and so right there was a beautiful opening opportunity for me because I just got back to New York, you know, and again, that was going against some of the confines and constructs that I had kind of been entrenched in of just like being super regimented. And so that kind of boggled my mind a little bit. Like I'd literally just touched down from being back across the country and I'm going to book a ticket now in a couple of days from now, I'm going to pack again and turn around again and go right back out. And then I thought to myself, why not? I do, I feel like I should. And so, you know, that's what I did. So I just, I love when we are able to be honest about these like more fine, intricate threads of how all of this came to be. It is so beautiful. It is. There's much magic afoot Mm -hmm. from that weekend on, I considered us married and the, (laughs) experience in Vegas with the United States government's involvement in co-signing. I mean, it was meaningful to me, but I, I already considered you to be my wife and my forever person. I think maybe even more meaningful was when I asked you to marry me when we got engaged at Quixmala in Mexico. Because when we were on the beach there, we were setting free the baby sea turtles that they're sea turtle preserve so tiny <laughs> it's the cutest. They're little flapper fins 
Oh God, so <laughs> so special. But you know, I had the ring in my palm, and then I put a baby turtle on it. And I mean, you know the story. This ring here. Yeah, that ring there. And and then I said, "Hey, let this one go." And you lifted it up, and there was the ring. And I, in the very formal sense, got on one bended knee and proposed to you. And I, I mean, I'm sure you remember this, but I was like having a really deep experience when I proposed that question to you. I mean, I was like, my voice was shaking. It was, mm -hmm. it was very meaningful. And the words that came to me were not premeditated in any way. I don't, I mean, all I know about proposals is watching movies. Like I have no guidance or training on how that's supposed to go down. But I remember asking you to be my wife in this lifetime and beyond. Mm -hmm. And that was a serious commitment because I take vows, spiritual vows, I, I, I believe are very real and I take them very seriously. Mm -hmm. And so that was, I mean, I remember just, I can feel it in my body now just trembling like, okay. It was a moment of trust in myself that I was capable of withholding my part of that commitment and that mm -hmm. I was trustworthy in my own judgment and discernment that you were the person with whom I was meant to make that commitment. So I felt married after the TP. I felt married even more profoundly after the engagement. And then, so I think that's for me, one of the reasons that the Vegas marriage mm -hmm. was just, it was like icing on a cake. Mm -hmm. just, that was almost like the wedding, the part after party. You yeah. Know? It was, it was like just, the hilarious cherry on yeah, top. I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's go do the thing for real. And, and also there are, you know, obviously legal reasons to be married if you're living in this country and things like that. So it, it was just a logical thing to do also, but my inspiration in sharing some of these stories is the undercurrent of following God's will, you know, of aligning what I want with what the universe wants for me. Mm -hmm. And the universe wants the highest good for all. And I'm included in the highest good because I'm part of that. Right. And so it's just like following those calls. And that's something I've been learning to do for a long time, but it's something I've, I think, built much more refinement in living yeah. with you and seeing how you operate because you're really deeply <laughs> skilled at feeling into yeses and nos and maybes. And it's been so inspiring and educational for me to watch you move through your life and also to see as we've created this third entity of the relationship, how the relationship is guided by its own intuition, which is kind of the combination of both of our mm -hmm. insights, just feeling into things and making decisions based on that rather than much of my past where decisions were based on fear or selfishness or yeah. confusion and not really being in tune with that inner guiding light. You know, and just yeah, living on self-will essentially was the majority well, yeah, of my yeah, first half of my life. We've had a lot of experience individually and now together of understanding what the essence of true divine surrender feels like. And through all sorts of different types and textures of decision making, some more challenging, some just 
so fluid and effortlessly and in alignment, you know, you obviously through all that experience start to be able to more clearly feel. Yeah. And in the deeper that one goes within and learns what true trust in yourself feels like it's, I'm very grateful and thank you for honoring me and my clear discernment. I, that's one thing that I do feel I have a really strong gift and mastery in, and I'm so grateful for it because it makes life a lot easier and more fun. I just, yeah, that clear, clear, pristine knowing. Yeah. Is, is good. Very yeah. grateful for it. Yeah. You have a accurate inner compass. Mm-hmm. Which way are we going? Which way do we want to go? <laughs> what direction? And also, yeah, something gets a little off kilter. I'm very, very clear and attuned to even with the slightest little, yeah. and then we're able to chat about it and whatever tweak needs to be made, then we make it. It's interesting being in relationship with and living with someone who is also extremely sensitive, <laughs> you know, both of us are just such sensitive creatures. And I, and I used to really within myself, at least look at that as a deficit because I just felt like I was just like a, I don't know, a, <laughs> a bottle floating in the sea, you know, just getting thrashed about. It's like just the external stimuli of life and all of the things that I experienced, um, I seem to have very little agency over how I felt and the experiences that came my way in life. And I'm slowly, I think much more so now than I ever have been, but slowly beginning to find the gifts in that sensitivity and mm -hmm. that emotional sensitivity, you know, just being attuned and at times hypervigilant just about the energies of people and spaces and things that happen in life. And I think some of the positive aspects of that sensitivity is being a good communicator, right? Which is essentially what I do for a living, you know, is communicate, mm -hmm. developing empathy and compassion for other people, mm -hmm. being such a deep feeler. I feel that I, I really feel other people. And out of that feeling comes a caring. I really care about people. Even people that annoy me or people that I dislike, yeah. I, I still see their humanity. I was just going to say, yeah, even, um, yeah, with people's sometimes pretty extreme shadow aspects, you know, yeah, sometimes, not all the time here, you say like, oh, that's really sad while I'm over there being like, we need to create distance and space because that person is currently not in a state that the safe to be around or what, whatever my observation is. So we, we do make a good team in that, but yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'll be like, Oh, that's, that's so horrible. And I'm like, and <laughs> well, yeah. Also, I think we're finding ways to balance our individual and collective boundaries. Right. Because I was someone who was so ill and so dysfunctional throughout the first half of my life the dysfunction and sickness and chaos is very familiar to me. And I also had the experience of redemption and coming out of that and becoming a totally different person. I mean, I'm a completely different person 
than I used to be. I've evolved a lot um, through a lot of grace and a lot of hard work. And so when I sense a distortion in someone, I think it's easy for me to hold the potential for them to awaken and to evolve because I know how I used to be. There's an AB example of like before and after, and I'm generally, I think a net positive to the world now, right? And before I wasn't. And so that's a great quality to have because I can see the good in all people. But I think where we're strong is that sometimes that empathy and compassion and that sensitivity and just diplomacy in my personality the shadow side of that is naivete and gullibility right and just and sometimes leaky boundaries yeah. and not keeping our container yeah al- al- allowing distortions to enter my field used to be it it only had a negative impact on me. And then whatever price there was to pay for me being too open, only I had to pay it. Right. But now since it's you and I, and we share a life, it's much different because if I allow distortions into my field, relationships, business, whatever, it not only affects me, but it affects you and affects the relationship itself. So I think we're great teachers for one another because I, I, I think help you to arrive at more patience for people and, and just circumstances, just things in life that happen. I think I have an equanimity about me mm-hmm. that helps you. And then you have the other side of the scale. That's like, yeah, do no harm, kindness and compassion, love, but also take no shit. Right. And the take no shit energy. And well, the- that's a huge part of it. I, I came up with a quote that said something like compassion without accountability and responsibility is enabling. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you cannot skip over the accountability and responsibility pieces. And that's where my gift zeroes in. And so, yeah. And I think it's great too, in our time being together, the more you have trusted my gifts and like made tweaks and the more that I have, you know, felt your equanimity and maybe more gentleness around some of these aspects, the more we can attune to the place that the other person holds, that allows you to hold a better container of a little bit stronger and clearer discernment. And me, it helps me to maybe in some situations soften a little bit more. So yeah, we like, we have gently melded together into more of a harmonious one functioning unit instead of like, you're this way, I'm this way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a balance that's created, you know, and that polarity, I think that's, one of the main aspects of a relationship that's based on alignment is that there's complementary qualities, characteristics, attributes that each person possesses in their own unique expression. And when those are blended, there's an integration of the whole, right? It's a balancing. And I think that's why I started just with the observation of us being two really sensitive people mm-hmm. and just coexisting together and just watching the ebb and flow of our moods and our experiences and our desires and 
think in our oppositions and things that we like and don't like and just how we roll throughout the day to day. I mean, you and I both live and work at home. And so we spend the vast majority of time together. And another thing that I, well, real quick, and I yeah. want to be able to trust you more in the pristine cleanness of our energetic field, because the more I can see your willingness and openness to get in there and, and work those pieces a little bit differently, that allows me to continue to soften and allows me to not feel like I have to hold the other side so sternly of the discernment. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. By me seeing you being willing to be like, huh, gosh, wow, her track record is <laughs> kind of a hundred for a hundred so far in terms of what I can see in people and you trusting that more over time, that lets me not have to have such a strength with like the harshness yeah. of my observations and boundaries. And I don't want to have to hold such a harshness. So it's a compounding trust, you know, it's yeah. like me building a track record of you seeing something and not dismissing it as, you know, you're in a bad mood or you're yeah. being too picky or whatever, or nagging or something like that. When you're like, Hey, what's going on with, you know, like with the workers that come to the house and things like that. I mean, I think that's been one of the areas in which this has been most prominently displayed, right? I've hired someone to do something at the house and they're, there's a distortion in the way they operate. They're out of integrity. They do a shitty job. They're not honest, whatever. And I'm just like, ah, we got to get it done, whatever. It'll be okay. You know, it's kind of brushing under the rug and you're like, no, hey, this isn't working. And then I go, oh shit, she's right. And enough of those experiences transpire and I start to build a trust like, oh, I'm actually just going to start going to her. Like, hey, what do you think about this situation, mm -hmm. this deal, this person, get your take on it. I build trust. And then that enables me to create whatever boundaries or circumstances are most conducive to interaction or that deal, whatever's going on. And then the net effect of that is you've been able to soften and now you trust like, okay, cool. He's going to hold it down and you don't have to hold it down and you can relax your nervous system and know that yeah. the sanctity of our relationship and the sanctity of our home and the sacredness of our family unit with me, you and the dog and the cat mm -hmm. and that there's, care um, being put forth that's going to make sure that everything is in harmony and balance and that everyone's taken care of. You know, it's yeah. really cool. It's really cool. Another thing that's interesting about our sensitivities is, I mean, this is like, I don't know. I might've mentioned this. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I have no idea on a day-to-day -day basis. Like if I'm going to be in a really positive, uplifted creative flow state mood. Like some days I wake up and I do my little morning routine and I just feel really good and on top of things and not overwhelmed or stressed. And I feel creative and happy and light. And then I might do the same thing the next day. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm always generally happy, but I'm just, I have such a high benchmark for just how I want to feel mm -hmm. every day. And sometimes it's just, nature says you might want to feel <laughs> all of these ways, but today you feel like this and it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I have anxiety or I'm stressed out or just feel a little gloomy for whatever reason. I find that like on days when you're, I don't want to say struggling, cause it's not even that, but maybe a day where you're just like not 
fully vital and just light and happy on that day, I will be that way and you won't and vice versa. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's even a balance there with the way our energies work in terms of our mood. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, which is the greatest time, both of us are just on fire and we feel amazing together. Well, that's most often the case. Yeah. Yeah. I just notice that like, if one of us is kind of off, the other one balances Mm -hmm. out. Like if I need support and love, like you're there and you have that to hold and I have that to hold. And yeah, I just got flashed back to the knee stem cell situation where, Oh my God. uh, I mean, that's like an extreme case, but yeah. Yeah. Even in, you know, even in that situation where you had had your own procedures and then, yeah, I had that unexpected flare, which had a lot of teachings and you know, medicine in it. But yeah, you, I mean, you had to step up to the plate big time. <laughs> I mean, it was either that or check you into a hospital. Uh, yeah. And I'm not doing that. It was literally. You probably won't walk out. <laughs> Have we talked about that stem cell thing on a podcast? No, but. I mean, just so people aren't like, wait, what are you talking about? So we went to John Lawrence's clinic in Sarasota, Florida, the Advanced Rejuvenation Center. <laughs> I was doing all kinds of methylene blue IVs and laser treatments and all this stuff. And, and John, out of his kindness, offered to treat Allison's knees. Her knees are pretty worn out from her career. And yeah, he, he took one look on the ultrasound and was just like, zoinks, what is yeah. going on here? I mean, it was, the state of them were exactly what I would anticipate them to be having been a highest level distance runner from two and a half years old through college. And yeah, so my knees yeah. were in rough shape. So she did the stem cell procedure with endogenous stem cells. So they took stem cells out of her hip bone, out of her marrow. And, and it was wild. I had like a whole shamanic, I was self gassing, you know, nitrous. Know. Yeah. And so I'm face down on the table and it's John and this other doctor, they're doing the extraction from my left, like lower back hip area. And yeah, it was wild. I could feel lineage things going on. It was this exact area that months leading up to even landing there, I had been feeling this very specific area in my left, in that left back hip. And, um, I could feel it had something to do with ancestral or lineage something. And that was the precise point of the needle or whatever you call that big giant thing they put in there. And, um, not extraction. What do they call that? Aspiration. Yeah. Aspiration. Um, yeah. And Which I, is a big needle basically that they yeah. plunge into your hip, into the marrow and then draw the marrow out. And then they run the marrow through a centrifuge and yeah. isolate the stem cells. And But I, I just, I started going on a whole shamanic journey and. Oh, the nitrous gas is a trip. Man. Yeah. It's, yeah. When I did my last procedure there, I did a ketamine trochee and the nitrous. And I mean, I was fucking tripping. And then afterward we sat down and did a podcast episode, which is, I almost didn't put it out because I was so high. And then I took a bunch of CBG and you know, whatever. It just, it was maybe not the best day to record, but I I was having a great time, but I was definitely not in my right Mm -hmm. mind. But anyway, too. Well, well, let me finish my story real quick. So I, then they get done with the aspiration and they they turn me over and I just have like tears rolling down my face and they're like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm great. I just went on a shamanic journey to heal my lineage. And they're just like, okay, Allison, very good. You know, and um, we were having some fun in there with all of that, but yeah, so... Yeah. So she 
gets the treatment, which is injections, all you know, ultrasound guided injections into her knees. So they use the ultrasound wand and a video monitor to see exactly where the needle's going and where the cartilage and tendons and whatnot need support. And for most people, yeah, they're a little sore that day and then they just get on with their life and live their best. And Allison had what's called a flare up, which is exceedingly rare, according to John and his staff at the clinic, her knees swell up and she not only can't walk, can't even sit in a wheelchair to be wheeled around yeah, I was, can't, move. can't move. I mean, it was hardcore. And, and I had my hip done with this <laughs> V-cell therapy, a different type of stem cell therapy. So I'm limping around and, and I probably should have rested the afternoon that I did mine, but I felt, you know, fine afterward. And so we went to the store and run around a little bit and I walked on it probably too much. So, mm-hmm. so Allison's like laid up in bed. Uh, well, they had, they had to wheel me over to our little apartment we were staying at. And I could tell, I know my body again. I used to be the most intense elite level distance runner. That was my life, my career. I know how to endure. I know the, the farthest reaching capacities of how I can push my physical vessel. And I've passed six or seven kidney stones. I mean, I understand those realms. And I knew before I left that clinic and was getting wheeled over to our little apartment, I was like, okay, shit is getting beyond real. And as soon as they wheeled me in there, I did our method that we have where I really need you to want, like for sure, hear me. And I said, honey, I need you to come. Code red. Code red. I I need you to come around and I need you to look at me. And I looked at you and I was just like, this pain that is coming on, it is horrifically intense And I don't know what's about to happen because I could just feel that it was going somewhere that was going to be wild. And henceforth, the flares, it was narnar flares upon us. One of the lessons with that for me, you know, I'm so avoidant of pharmaceutical drugs because there's just so many natural solutions that frankly work better with fewer side effects. But when it comes to that type of pain, you got to take opiates. I mean, it's just like... There was no other option. Yeah. So, but one of the things I learned was if there's a potential for that degree of pain, that it's really important to to beat it to the punch yeah. and preemptively medicate. Because once that degree of pain sets in, it's really difficult to make it stop. To get know? ahead of it. Yeah. yeah. And so that was kind of the game we were playing. So anyway, I'm... I'm limping around and I'm not, I don't want you to feel bad for convalescing and me being your caretaker, but I was in so much pain myself. I could barely walk either. (laughs) We're just like a couple of invalids, you know, but it's, you know, really there is no, I mean, I I mean, maybe we could have hired a private nurse. I don't, I don't know. It seemed to me the only options were like check into a hospital, not doing that or, or I, take care of you, you know, but anyway, there's a happy ending to this story. Yeah. Yeah. How how do your knees feel since? Yeah. Yeah. They're great. I mean, the suppleness and the cushiony feeling that I now experience within them 
is I never remember having this feeling because, you know, again, I started so young with pounding the concrete, pounding the pavement and all that, you know, and I've had a lateral release knee surgery on the left one. I was supposed to have that on the right. I've had bleach therapy on my knees that we talked about in your episode of 111. But um, so, yeah, I mean, yes, the, the, the journey ended up being worth it. And yeah, it was a bit of a, an anomaly of a situation, but I have one question for you that I've actually never asked during that time where you were literally, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't even move a millimeter of my own ankle or foot and I needed help repositioning. I couldn't even make it to the bathroom. You're having to like hold a bucket underneath me so I can go to the bathroom off the edge of the bed and all of these things. Was there any, I don't know, healing or confronting thoughts, uh, that you had to navigate around, like, I don't know, overcoming fears of having to caretake for me when we're older, or I I've never asked you that, but I'm just curious, was there flashes of anything intense in those days? Cause that was like a week of needing to, yeah, it was, it was quite a few days of that level of intensity Help. with your pain. And it was really hard. I think mostly, <laughs> emotionally just to feel helpless and just to see you suffering and just like not being able to do anything except constantly run the sauna space red light on your knee and put the yeah you the took such great care salves of on your knee and I was also frustrated because I felt like you could have taken more medication and you're not someone that likes to take a lot of pills or I was doing all the things, but not to me. It's like, <laughs> I, it was frustrating. I would, don't think I could have put anything else in my butt. I couldn't she have was popped any more killer, pills. Uh, you know, I uh, mean, uh, suppository Good and all this Lord. stuff. But I'm just, you know, I'm someone who used to take copious <laughs> amounts of drugs. I take copious amounts of supplements. I'm just like, take five fucking pills. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and I, I think that's like. Oh, my God. I was taking CBD gummies. I was literally just popping. Yeah, but not enough. You know, that you're asking for my experience. I'm telling you what it was. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting there in my mind just going, you know, you writhing in pain. You're, I don't want to say complaining. You're I, but I got to a point where I was not. I was, I was sleeping. I was. Uh, eventually yeah but in the <laughs> beginning i knew you needed to get on the other side of the pain and it, i was i was sensitive <laughs> Why this is so funny i was sensitive to, you asked for what the hon <laughs> my just... honest experience it was frustrating as hell <laughs> i was taking so much you wouldn't take enough <laughs> medication i was taking more than enough i was soaked out no. laying in the bed i was i was doing what i'm doing now i was incoherently laughing at times i mean i was so out of it i think my threshold for intoxication <laughs> is, is different right so like if i was in that much pain i'd be like give me a morphine drip i'm checking out oh, you know God. so but more than anything it was just i really had to take it <sighs> moment by moment because it was just so uncomfortable to witness you being that uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm those just, flares were no I'm joke. like counting the moments, counting the hours, counting the days, just like there's <sighs> no choice for me but to hang in there. Like you're not getting out of this, Luke. You can't change the situation. So you just have to accept it incrementally, moment by moment, <laughs> and just know that it's going to get better. And I was also... I had to trust that I was going to shift at some point too. Dude, it was hardcore. We were um, in it. But there were times where I would be afraid if this doesn't work, like if after this, if her knees aren't better and she went through this and I 
encouraged you to have the procedure. And I was like, no, you really need this, do this. It's going to be great. You know, it's, it's safe. I know about this stuff, you know, if you, you know, a month later were like, yeah, my knees are just the same or worse. Just, yeah. I would have felt so bad. So that's why I ask you, you know, often kind of how your knees doing, how do they feel better? I just want the satisfaction of knowing like, okay, cool. They're, well, they're much better than yeah. they were And before. I always trust again, back to that discernment. I am, potentially the most sovereign person I know. And I'm not saying that to whatever be arrogant or from ego. Like I've worked my ass off to become an incredibly clear, incredibly adept, discerning and incredibly divinely sovereign being. And I, and again, I know how to make decisions. And so I always trust. Yeah. Well, I think in the years we've been together, I've never been able to convince you to do anything you don't want to do. No, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's pointless, you know. So, But that said, just being a participant in the encouragement, whether or not you made the decision in your sovereign self yeah, or not, I, hear you. I was just like, oh man, I hope this doesn't backfire. That's and, true. You know, I hope that she gets the result because I would, I would feel really bad whether you made the decision or I encourage you or not. It's just like, dude, to go through this yeah. and then emerge a and, and a couple months later and be like, eh same old shit. It would have been horrible. Well, that kind of set off an interesting last couple few months of like potentially the deepest and most potent initiations of my life, you know? And I, I really feel that a large part, if not, dare say a hundred percent of being put on that trajectory of all these in initiations has to do with our, you know, journey and in starting our family and, Gosh, I'm trying to remember now. I only just started to share. We haven't talked about it on either of our podcasts. Oof. Oh, we're about to open a big doorway. Do we want to open Drum it? Drum roll, please. I mean, it's huge and it's going to... Yeah, it will be... It, it, I sense that it will be helpful for, for some people listening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, January, 2022. So a year and a a few months ago at this point as when we both got really clear that it was a yes to starting our own family. And, and we did get pregnant very quickly, I think within the first month or two, um, for sure. And then, uh, gosh, there's so much that's happened in the past year and four months to like even open up this doorway. It's like, oh my gosh, there's a lot in here and this portal we're now entering into, but yeah. So nine weeks later, um, did have a dissolving, which, I call it a dissolving because in some shamanic traditions, rather than labeling it or calling it a miscarriage, which does feel a little off energetically, some shamanic traditions refer to a miscarriage as a dissolving, which feels more aligned for me. So that's when I say that, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was such a beautiful, powerful, all the things, all the things, all the things time, um, I love being pregnant, you know, and we, it was such a beautiful time to ride those experiences of the evolutions and the changes. And I was just starting to show, you know, I'll never forget that. I think like a couple of days before the dissolving started, I, I looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh, it's like, what's happening, you know? Um, and then my, you know, intuition, I started to feel, remember that weekend where I was feeling really on edge and I just, there was some other energy that was inside of me and, I was just saying to you, like, I know we're sorting out, you know, doula or midwife and just like what the game plan is here. But I started to feel this adamant feeling of checking on things. And 
if we're going to check on things like, where do you want to go and what feels good to you and what feels good to me? But there was a, an urgency that happened that weekend. And then sure enough, by Monday, Monday was the birthing, the, the passing of the embryonic sac. I only, I've only just started to share about this, ironically, not on my podcast or yours until now. It just organically came up on someone else's, but this is, these are all new public shares. Mm -hmm. I truly held zero shame or anything around it. It was just more, it just was so sacred. I was just waiting and you were waiting for when we felt genuinely divinely compelled to talk about it publicly. And the, the time has just recently happened. Yeah. It's a really interesting experience and I haven't thought about it in a while, but for the time that you were pregnant, it was for me very surreal and it was just moving quickly and it was exciting. And I felt so grateful that, that, uh, we were going to have that experience. The only thing I really hit up against at times was just, is this going to go down the way I want it to go down and finding that balance of just trusting in terms of like having a home birth and everything going smoothly and not having harmful or dangerous medical interventions and replicating birth trauma that I experienced and so many people experience and all of that. So there's a little bit of contraction of just like, Oh God, I hope this, everything goes well. And, you know, wanting to make sure you're taking the right supplements and just kind of that controlling part of me that you're a little familiar with, but that, you know, that was in the background. I mean, I'm just sharing like the comprehensive inner experience for me, but more than anything, it was just like, yeah, just touching your stomach and praying with you and on you and just really revering the juiciness and the mother energy that was beginning to exude from you. And it was a very hopeful and exciting time. And, and we were able to go on the sail twin flame boat trip with our friends. And we we're yeah. cruising around those sacred Mediterranean or Caribbean waters going yeah. to the Virgin islands and British Virgin islands. And yeah, just, it was really mystical and beautiful to have that. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. And we sensed at that time that it was going to be a girl. Of course, you never know, but we had a name picked or have a name picked. Yeah. Out. I don't want to share the name publicly. No, it's okay. I won't. But we did have a name. Yeah, we do still. If yeah. You know, we end up having a girl. I think that's yeah. still a fitting name. Yeah. And so I was excited and just kind of like in awe, just gobsmacked. Holy shit, this is happening because for me in my own experience of wounding and birth and childhood trauma and my own immaturity of the past having a kid was never ever something I desired and yeah I mean not even remotely and it was one of my biggest fears hmm. I just never wanted, I just didn't want that experience. I was just too immature and too self-centered and just had too much baggage around it, you know? And so and I asked you about that on our very first date. I don't know if you remember. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a big whole story to get into, but I, I remember just having that curiosity when you were driving and I just remember we were in your car and I was asking, I said, so what are your thoughts on, on kids? And yeah, it's been really beautiful for me to witness your evolution and your willingness. I mean, we have both 
since the time that we started to date to where we are now, I mean, oh my gosh, we've both been all in, in terms of the willingness to evolve and take whatever steps, measures, whether that be very earthly and physical based or completely metaphysical and ceremonial based, like transmuting things, like, you know, having these spirit babies visiting us both separately and together and both non-ceremony and ceremony. I mean, like when it comes to mind, body, spirit, soul, metaphysic or physic, like we have said yes to every task assigned to us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back in LA, I had a really, really profound, sometimes I don't like to talk about profound experiences because I feel like it somehow diminishes their magnitude. But yeah, I had one experience wherein this being or soul, kind of this energy came to me very clearly and kind of asked my permission, I guess would be the best way to describe it. If it could come here and enter our lives. And I had to do a lot of work that night to even get to that point and identify some of the things that were blocking that experience and Mm. did a lot of very, very deep, spooky, shadowy work to arrive at that experience. And then I remember coming home and, and sharing that with you and saying, wow, I, I want to do this with you. And then, (laughs) and then also again, made my plan, right. I'm like, masculine plan builder. I wanted to get us out of California, get to Texas, build this house, create a sacred space in which we could get pregnant and have a baby. And then we moved here and what was supposed to take six months took a year and a half. And then, you know, I felt like, I just felt like we need to wait until we get in our house and just get settled. Everything's too chaotic and stressful. We're living in this little apartment. And it's just, I was just so overwhelmed by running this a lot. process of building this house and also just having a career and doing all the things, you know. And then while we were living in an apartment, participated in another ceremony with, with a men's group with a bunch of my my guy friends here and had no intentions of exploring that particular topic but well in both you went in with different intentions and then the baby presented very much so and in that one and there were everyone i know here i think all my friends have kids i can't think of one guy i hang around that doesn't have new babies or grown-ass kids or whatever so we're in there and two men in there that were both fathers of a couple kids each both at individually and then together, you know, it's like they ganged up on me, but they had a very clear message to deliver mm-hmm. to me because I might've even asked them like, Hey, you know, I'm feeling into the dad thing. What's up anyway, the topic. And we're in like deep medicine space, you know, where things are very, you know, ineffable, but let's just say like a supernatural sort of dimension of communication and, access to knowledge and information that is not usually accessible in the normal waking state. And both of them, essentially the core of their message was like, you're using this house thing. They were very direct and Mm -hmm. very honest. And I was in a receptive and open place and I trusted them and their input, but both of them in their own way said, you're procrastinating this experience And you're using this house completion and the moving and this linear, stupid fucking plan Mm -hmm. 
you're delaying because of your old fears, essentially, mm. even though I had consciously said, yeah, okay, I'm a yes for the situation. I'm a yes, but let's wait until like all the ducks uh-huh. and everything's just how I think it should be. Right. And they just annihilated that. Yeah. You needed to embody the yes. Yeah. And they annihilated that. And I was open and receptive to that because I believed that they were right. And I was able to humble myself and to be teachable and receptive to that message. And both of them just looked squarely at me and said, it's the time is now you're doing this now. And I was like, oh, you now like, and after we now, like (laughs) when you get home and it was just one of those situations I couldn't, there was no refuting it. There was no waking up the next day and go, wait, we were all tripping. Like this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I just had an inner knowing and then I shared that with you and I was like, well, it's time. And then we did. Hey fam, popping in here super quick to remind you that my best-selling Animal Power book and card deck are both available and out now. Animal Power book is 100 animals to energize your life and awaken your soul. It's a deluxe compendium of power animals. So anytime you dream of an animal or have an animal continuously crossing your path and you're wondering why is this animal showing up so much for me, just pop into my beautiful book that also has a gorgeous full page color illustration of each animal to learn its wisdom teachings and meanings so you can more deeply understand why that animal showed up in your life. An animal power deck is super fun to work with. You can pull a random card to see what animal has a message for you that day or ask the deck a specific question to see what clarity might reveal. Both animal power book and deck are available everywhere books are sold. The book has been the number one new release in shamanism and many other categories. You can also get them from my website. And when you visit there, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. That's A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com backslash animal power. You'll also receive a free video drumming shamanic journey that I personally guide where you can meet your current power animal. I appreciate your support so much. And now back to today's show. From first date conversation and me inquiring and you, I don't remember verbatim, but it was along the lines of, you know, it's not something that's like feels really vital or important to me. I'm just kind of open. Like if I end up with a woman and it's really important to her, you know, it'd be an honor to be able to provide that to her, but it was, it was definitely not anywhere close to a clear or enthusiastic. Yes. Let's just put it that way. And so, um, that was intriguing for me because I had felt very clear. I remember when the, when that yes for me clicked on when I was back when I was living in New York city. And I mean, it was just like, I remember the moment that it was a specific moment in time where everything in my being was like, yes to being a mom. So it was so wonderful, mystical, powerful for me to witness the divine working through you all this time where I never had to come to you as your partner, as your wife and like sit you down or attempt to sit you down and be like, we've got to talk about this and like try to get you on board. I literally never one second had to do any of that because you were open and willing to let the divine orchestrate us in this, align us in this and put in the work. It was just like the way the weaving happened without me needing to step in, intervene, try to control in any way. I just, I was able to sit back, just be myself, 
hold my frequency, hold my yes, and just be witness to you arriving to your yes. It was wild. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the beauty and mystery and surprise of a surrendered life. Yeah. You know, it's just the gifts are more than I could ever imagine myself just getting out of the way and being open and receptive. So it went from an entire lifetime of that is the worst possible outcome I can imagine to I'm open to the possibility entering into partnership with you going, wow, like I'm much more open to that possibility because I could foresee that being something I want to share as an experience with you because you're so special and what we have is so special. So, you know, it was a gradual opening, but there were those two separate evenings where it was just like, boom, hit me Mm. in the chest, you know, just like, oh shit, no, this is this, I'm destined to do this. This isn't like, that could be nice. Or do I prefer that or not prefer that? It's like, you are a father, do it is the message, you know? So fast forward to it happens and there is for the most part, just joy and excitement and curiosity about the experience. And, and some of those fears are just like, Oh God, I hope this goes the way I think it should go. The really interesting part of it was, it was so surprising to me because I just, I hear about this happening with women and their pregnancies. And I just never even entertained that as a possibility for us because it just felt so intentional and that everything just unfolded in such a Mm -hmm. miraculous way. It was just like, it's a no brainer. It's just a matter of like, is the final event of the birth going to happen in the way that I hope it happens? And according to my intentions for the best possible outcome. And then, so when it was interrupted, It was really interesting because, how do I say this? You're going to obviously share your own (laughs) point of view because it's much more meaningful to you being your body and all. But it was, for me, I think just like kind of just not even sad, just disappointed and then kind of just afraid of like, oh, Mm. shit, is this... Is this going to happen for us? Because everything's been leading up to this and all these doors are opening within myself of just like, this is a destined experience Mm -hmm. for me and having those interactions with this being and just, it's so present. Yeah. It's just here. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, wait, what is happening? Mm -hmm. Is this, what does this mean? You know, finding meaning in it. So that was part of it. And then, oh man, just the potency of watching you in your process of that experience and just being in awe of your power and capacity to hold that as a woman and also an appreciation for myself to be able to remain fiercely present with your experience and not in any way try to manage or control it, but just to be a conscious observer and at times a participant 
in the dissolving process and just to watch your badassery of not falling apart and not dramatizing it or enshrining the experience in victimhood, just your openness and receptivity to the totality of the experience of dissolving a pregnancy and sitting in the bath with you and just sitting there, just observing you. With the placenta blood on my face. <laughs> just, it was fucking deep. Yeah, it was. And it just gave me uh, oh, just an even deeper level of honoring and respect for what you hold as a woman. Mm -hmm. And also, I think what part of what that was, was just the courage with which you met the reality of that situation. And there was no bypassing whatsoever, but there was also no catastrophizing. Yeah. It was just, wow, I'm being with this. And there were feelings I'm sure, and you can describe what your feelings were, but you're just like, cool, bring on these feelings. Let's feel this experience completely. And it, I think because of your ability to hold that, it's kind of not a big deal for me, <laughs> you know, subjectively. It yeah. was just like, I have my own disappointment, but as, as far as watching you, it's just like, oh, cool. This is part of life. This is yeah. part of the divine order of things. This is part of the plan. We don't understand it. Perhaps we never will, but to see the depth of your surrender uh, helped me to also surrender into that and trusting that there is a higher intelligence at play and mm. to go in the backyard and have our burial ceremony. And I think the net effect of sharing that experience with you with you was just a deepening of our bond. It just, it drew us even closer. For sure. You know, and then I'll wrap up and you can share whatever you'd like to share about it. But now that it's been some time and then we took kind of a pause and just allowed things to settle and, and then got active again to help bring it about and thus far has not happened. And so now my experience sitting here is like, whoa, this is requiring, it's requiring a lot of faith that everything that's led up to this is still going to manifest as a kid for us. And I think on a, on a deep level, I do trust that the timing and everything that's happened is leaning in that direction. But it's so interesting for me to go from my greatest fear being having a kid to probably my greatest fear now that we don't. I mean, I don't subscribe to the Western model of timing and fertility and how old people, I just don't believe in that because I believe in miracles because my whole life is a miracle. But I'm kind of like, oh, shit, <laughs> we got to do something here. And then, you know, we have taken some proactive steps, which, which I can share about in a bit. But anyway, that, that's, that's my experience of it. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a bowing to you and your relationship with your body and your relationship with your emotions and your trust in spirit. And again, the depth of your surrender to the process. And it's just, it's been an incredible teaching for me. Mm. 
um, due to the manner with which you've embodied the experience as a whole and just faced it head on and moved through it uh, with great speed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I really appreciate that honoring. And yeah, I think for both of us that, yeah, the depths of that experience and being in that life death portal and I, I remember so vividly the day on that Monday when the embryonic sac birthed, I remember feeling like I had never before been as connected to the miracle field. And there were just, yeah, so many, so many teachings and also note, uh, I am about to share in pretty vivid detail my experience because that's what I feel called to do. So do with that information what you please for the listeners. But yeah, the on that Monday when I went to the bathroom and and I then I looked down and I knew. I just intuited, you know, that was my very first pregnancy this lifetime and also my very first dissolving. So it was a lot of new territory, feelings, explorations, all of that within this and but I just intuitively knew that what was in the bottom of the toilet was something that should be brought out of the toilet. And I remember I called you were up here, the sauna was being put upstairs and I called you downstairs. And I just remember us in the bathroom, both standing over the toilet and just like looking down and looking at each other. And I'm just like, I feel like we have to get this out and then us getting it out and us both then standing, looking at it together, trying to understand what is, what exactly are we looking at, you know? And it was just so medicinal and, and wild. And yeah, I remember, yeah, quickly starting to understand that that was the embryonic sac for pretty specific reasons. And yeah, then us having the ceremony in our backyard and we, you know, we had only moved in within that same month. We hadn't even been in this home for a full month yet. And we were already having this home birth and giving to our land and this, I mean, there's no more powerful way that you can have a land offering and a land ceremony than to provide an embryonic sac. And then four days later, a placenta to the land, it doesn't get any more powerful than that. And so, yeah, it was incredible. And it was powerful for me to witness myself in that experience too. It's just, it's such a testament to the way I choose to live life and a testament to what the devotion to the shamanic way and the shamanic path can provide. I mean, all of that led me to being able to be so at one, so at healthily at one with that pregnancy and dissolving experience. Because like you said, I'm very clear. There was absolutely no bypassing it anyway. You know, I felt the grief. I had the tears. I, I mean, you know, I felt the disappointment. I felt, I felt all the things. And at the same time, like I said, I was so at one with the miracle field and I was so clearly in communication with the spirit of, of our child. Like I, she was telling me why the dissolving was happening and it made crystal clear sense. Like I, she came in for a very clear, specific mission. And she was telling me that. And so, yeah, in the midst of all of it, it would, there was never a more powerful earthly and cosmic dance experience than this, you know, it was all happening at once. And I was healthily with it all at once. And I'm so glad you brought in that I wasn't like catastrophizing or over dramatizing. It's like, 
because I was talking to the spirit of our child and I was talking to great spirit and I was also talking to my own soul. And so I had these awarenesses. So yeah, there was no need for me to make it something other than what it was. Right. You didn't attach meaning to it and create stories around it. It was like, I mean, in the experience that we shared together, the physical part of it, it was meditative it was etheric. It was deeply present. It was spiritual, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't emotions were a subtext of the depth of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, the four days later on that Thursday when I, the contractions were stronger than ever. And I remember being so confused by that. And then, yeah, Devana, our friend being uh, the messenger to remind me the placenta. And I thought, oh, again, remember, this is my first pregnancy and dissolving. And so I hadn't even thought of, because I was just was so confused as to why the contractions were so much stronger four days after we had, I had already birthed the... Yeah, neither of us are atomically, <laughs> anatomically um, educated. Yeah. You know, I've, I've interviewed a number of experts on this, but I'm, you know, A, I'm a man and B, it's first time for me too. So we're both kind of going like, what's going on? Yeah. Here? Yeah. The contractions were so strong. And she, yeah. she said, I, 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 you're probably birthing the placenta. And the second she said that I complete resonance knew that to be true. And then, yeah, you and I were able to privately have, yeah, you ran the bath for me. Cause that was kind of the only thing that was soothing those contractions was being in our big, beautiful Japanese soaking tub and soaking in there. And you got that prepared for me. And then And then, yeah, we were able to take a bath together. And that, honestly, I mean, it it might sound so weird, potentially, to some listeners, and I'm sure not weird at all to other listeners, but it was one of my fondest memories, you and I, like in that tub and just all of the giant clots and parts of the placenta that were starting to birth out and you and I sharing in those sacred waters, like literally and figuratively, like in the bath together while this is happening. Um, yeah, sharing in those sacred waters, you know, we had created life together and then we were sitting in the dissolving together. Oof, I feel that so powerfully in my heart as I'm saying that. And, um, yeah, to just be witness to one another and that experience. Oh God, I feel it so strong. It was, Whoa. it was like time stopped Yeah, for, yeah. for a while. That's Oof. what I mean. It was very, it was just trippy. Yeah. It's just etheric. I'm just looking at you going, this chick is next level, man. Ancient warrior, like, holy shit. And also just gave me so much, not that I lacked confidence, but birth is a, it's a big deal and it's potentially risky and it's difficult often for the mother and the baby. And it's just, it's such an unknown and miraculous part of the human experience, you know, but just to watch you, I was just remember thinking, Oh, she's got this, what, like whatever the birth ends Mm. up being like, I knew that you could handle it and that you were so well equipped Mm -hmm. for being a mother, not just giving birth, but like you got the mom thing down. Mm -hmm. It is innate and it is 
present and yeah. you're just fiercely present and open to everything that that experience had to offer. And it was, it was, yeah. And just the bond between us, it was, mm-hmm. you know, like later in a similar way, um, your, your knee experience, it was just, <laughs> yeah. neither one of us are going anywhere. You know, I don't mean leaving the relationship. I mean, we're not leaving the presence yeah. when the going gets tough we're even closer. We're there for one another. We're we're a team. Like we're in this together. It's not like I'm over here like, Oh gee, this sucks. She's having a hard time. Hopefully she can figure that out. Yeah. We're, (laughs) we're in it together. And, and, and like I said before, also just not only honoring you, but really honoring myself. Like, Holy shit, Luke, you're here for this. Mm Damn, good yeah. job. Well, I have a... <laughs> you know, because that's not the guy, that's not who I used to be. Maybe I wasn't, I just didn't know it. Mm. Yeah, you always had it in you, honey. And you that's a perfect segue to a point that I had written down when I was listening to 111 of the lifestyles that I was a guest on this morning. You specifically were saying... We were both sharing about areas in life that we are currently working on and where you were at in that December 2017 episode, you were saying that you were working on being able to have healthy relationships with women and really devoting to that. And you said around the one hour, I even timestamped it around one hour and 17 You said you were tilling the soil because you were crystal clear in what you knew you wanted in a partner, what you knew you wanted in a woman. And you said, damn, I need to bring it if I want to be able to hold the space and that environment. And by that environment, you were referring to the environment of having your sacred partner, of having the divine feminine by having the the woman, your wife. And it's just... Yes, I do believe it It was always in you, but just in 2017, you were saying these quotes, you were just at the tilling soil part and had only the awareness of, damn, I need to bring it if I want to be able to hold that space and just look how far you have come to where you so impeccably hold space at all times for me. And I mean, I'm someone that I am incredibly powerful and I am (laughs) incredibly sensitive and I am incredibly authentic and vulnerable and multidimensional and multifaceted. And there's never been any of those areas at any given time, even some spontaneously when I'm pulled into these and I'm having these like completely unexpected, spontaneous initiations and, and all the things that my way of life brings, like you have held that space impeccably at all times. So in less than six years, you have arrived. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that many of us go through in our desire for union is holding up this ideal for the type of partner we seek, yet we're not able within ourselves to demonstrate and meet and match that which we seek, mm-hmm. right? And I think at that time, I had this vision. I, mean, I actually had it all written down, as you know. I mean, I was like, okay, I know what I don't want because that's what I've been attracting and manifesting based on my own 
decisions and I know exactly what I want. I mean, down to the minute detail from the most superficial to the most meaningful attributes of any woman I could imagine. And then somehow, yeah, I got the download that if that's what I seek, I need to really ask myself, is that what I'm able to offer? Right. I have to be able to show up and be a vibrational match for mm -hmm. the type of person with whom I want to form uh, a long-term partnership. That's what I set about to do. And, and hot damn, you know, here we are, here we sit. Hot damn, I did it and we did it. And, and here we are. But to kind of close up, um, you know, some of these really sacred shares around our family creation, co-creation time journey we've been on. So yeah, on that Thursday, yes, then birthed the full placenta in the tub. And that was so beautiful to see it birth out and swim around in the waters in the tub. And for me to intuit, to, you know, put that, that blood all over my face. I just, yeah, there was something very ritualistic is not the right word. Ceremonial kind of primal primal. Yeah. It just was this knowing of like, this needs to be here. And yeah, to have that all over my face and to be looking at you and you're standing there, you had just exited out of the tub, like right before the placenta fully birthed and you're standing there looking at me when this happened and I'll never forget the look on your face. And yeah, just the feeling I had, it just, yeah. And then us to, yeah, to yeah, I remember putting it on the palm of my hand and bringing it out of the tub. And then we were able to, along with the embryonic sac, put the the placenta in the, in the same area of our land. And I also just want to make note so I don't forget, because I, I appreciate and, and love both of our communities so much. You guys have been amazing, but I do just want to honor myself and you and our experience. I, and us sharing in this most sacred, vulnerable way, neither one of us is, is, we don't need any advice, you know, like, and I understand that those urges come from a place of, of love and just wanting to connect or share. But again, just, I ask that you just respect and honor my sovereignty, our sovereignty as a sacred union and what our family, we're very clear on exactly where we're at, the tasks at hand, um, so yes, just please respect our space and boundary. You know, we don't need messages and emails and DMS offering up. Like we, we don't need any advice. Yeah. My motivation in sharing this is <laughs> to deepen our experience in our relationship first. And also, as I said, when you asked, uh, the prompt, uh, you know, do you want to go there? Do you want to talk about this? It's an act of service to the people listening that, might have gone through something like this and are trying to contextualize it or people that are going to go through it, they might have some useful tools, you know, that mm -hmm. we've experienced. But yeah, this is not for me either a cry for help or advice. I'm feel, wow. <laughs> feel very clear. Yeah, we're, And I we're know, like you clear. said, I mean, people, they hear something and... Especially with the pregnancy piece, people yeah. want to offer up advice more in that category than any yeah. other category. Yeah, maybe it's an ancient tribal instinct, right? To want to support your fellow fellow mothers in the tribe and things like that. But yeah, just sharing, sharing your experience and asking for support and advice are two different things. And thank yeah. you for clarifying that. Yeah, but all of this opened up because 
my point and people are probably still hanging on that stem cell dot connect. They're like, wait, how did they, cause I said, um, these initiations kind of, of the last three months kind of began with that. And I'm very clear that a huge part of it is, you know, the power uh, and magnitude of, of these spirit babies who have very clearly revealed themselves to us and that we are in regular communication and connection with ushering us into these deepest places of healing and experience. Um, again, whether that be on a mind, body, spirit, soul <laughs> level, and, and that has been the yeah. steady through line now going on a year and, uh, you know, they're making sure months. we pass boot camp before we, oh my gosh. we move on, on to the, the next deepest level. levels. Know? Yeah. And I don't know, honestly, some of you are wanting me to share about more details of a recent near death experience I had had. And like, I just don't know if I have the enemy or if we even have the time for me to get into the details of that in this episode. Maybe that's for our next one. But I guess my point is that um, I just want to honor our spirit baby or babies who have been so clearly <laughs> guiding us to all of these truly deepest healing, initiatory, potent waters and places I guess I'll just speak my, for myself at this point within myself, the last two to three months have been the deepest and, and I'm arriving to the other end of that portal. I can feel it. It has been wild. It has been a lot. It has been very intense. I've needed to take really conscious, intentional breaks to fully integrate, to take pauses and breaks from people, you know, even people that I love being around, like, and, and they get it, you know, they do this work too. And so they, they know right where I'm at. They're like, Oh, you're, you're, I'm allowing the new to continue to assimilate with me and, and present because I'm in a very different place. And what's interesting is I'm going to tie this back into episode 111 on your show now, because this will intentionally be we're going to both air it on, on your lifestylist podcast and on my ceremony circle podcast. And intentionally, this will be episode 111 for my ceremony circle. And I found it really intriguing because when we were talking in your 111 and sharing about where, what you're currently working on and what I'm currently working on, a lot of what I was working on then is like, the new that's opening up and presenting for me now. So I found some really intriguing dots connecting. I even explained how the energetics of where I was at then, it would make this like, like feeling and sound in my energy field. And that's that like thread, that little like strange, mysterious, what is this little thread of anxiety that seems to be so pervasive, no matter what work I do. And I even made that sound in that episode and in these deepest healing waters and initiations of the last few months, there's been a, like a full releasing with honor. And then of that, frenetic anxiety thread that was just trying to persist and hang on for different reasons. And just in the last couple of weeks, I was able to have a new energetic field 
present that was completely free and clear of everything, not just that, that freneticness, anxiety feeling, but of everything. And I'm, so I've just continued to give myself the space and grace to continue to attune to such an open field. And I, I even remember saying um, to this one energy therapist that was witness when the space opened up and I, it, it was so freeing and liberating. I started to chuckle when this, when the field opened like that. And I said to him, is it even safe to have a, a space like this? Cause it was just so open and free. And um, so I've just been yeah, it's been really powerful for me. And yeah, it was, it was really cathartic. I knew there was something, cause you know me, I never listened to any podcast, not mine, not yours, nobody's, but something told me this morning to go back and listen to one eleven, and it's, it's showing me. And the theme that we talked about in that one was the importance of reflecting on progress made. You were saying that you were like, I feel like I don't do that enough. Cause you're on this evolutionary journey and make all these strides, but you don't, you weren't sure that you took the proper time to pause and reflect on the progress and the irony that now we can sit right now in this episode in real time and reflect on the progress by listening to one eleven in your show and the one eleven that's coming out in my show in this episode it totally shows like we weren't even together and we didn't even know that we would be dating then. And now we're together and married and talking about this hmm. family starting journey and talk about being able to take a sacred pause of reflecting on progress. We are now the living embodied proof of that. And that that's pretty wild and trippy. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. That's a really, God, that's a really important teaching too, is if we're on a path of, growth and self-realization, there's always a pile of coal in front of us to shovel. It's really easy to forget to turn around and look at the mountains of coal that have already been shoveled. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm better at that. I think the, the slippery slope of that is like where the credit is due for the changes and for the evolution, right? Because the ego can also come in and say, well, oh, look what I've accomplished, look uh, to where I've arrived and all this, right? There's like a, a bragging kind of energy. So I find it safer and safer to acknowledge all of the work that's been done and what's been accomplished by being honest with myself. And when I'm expressing that, if I, if I happen to be expressing it, that it's taken a lot of hard work and dedication and courage and all the things and heaps of grace. You know, it's, yeah. it's a collaboration between the divine and myself yes. where I set the spiritual intention. Okay. This is where I want to go. These are the things I want to move through and heal and the ways in which I want to evolve. I set that intention and then it requires the exertion of my will and my actions and my thoughts and my feelings to manifest those changes. Mm -hmm. But None of it's going to happen in my experience for me without God's help. Without and, the grace know? of God. Yes. So it's like, I think that's the sweet spot I'm finding where totally. like, yeah, I can own what has been accomplished, but I don't take sole credit for it, you yeah. know? And then I'm impervious to, you know, the ego sneaking in and trying to give me a superiority complex or any yeah. weird distortions like that. Well, it's funny you bring that up because the other thing that, you were working on in the old 111 episode in 2017 was imposter syndrome. 
So it's just interesting because I feel like that kind of ties in there. And also I thought it was so cute that at this, at that time in 2017, you're like, you're like, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's been pretty cool. You know, it's, there seems to be a good response good receptivity to what I'm doing here with my podcast. And it was still your second job at the time. Like this yeah. wasn't even yeah. your, I've been going for a year at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just funny <laughs> to hear you talk about it, how it was then. And just like now, you know, just however many millions of downloads in you're at now 12 million or whatever. And just everywhere we go, people are like, are you, I listen to your podcast. It saved my life. Or, you know, are you Luke's story? You know, all this stuff. And back then you were still doing your own show notes and you had another primary job. Yeah. I, my life was supported by school of style. Yeah. A business that I, I just sold. And that was, recently. yeah. You know, and again, like in your own way, like that pregnancy and, and birthing journey. And now you're in the, um, postpartum, you know, with that officially being, can you talk? I don't know if you can. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's done deal. It's, done deal. Okay. It's legally out of my hands. Yeah. All, all I mean, is, that all was, well. that was a whole journey. So, yeah. I mean, that's God, it's interesting, even though I haven't been actively involved in that business for the past couple of years, it's interesting how unfinished business and open loops Ooh. can really kind of use up space on the hard drive. You know, it's like an open program. You have too many open programs. It's just this thing that's not come to its conclusion. Yeah. So it feels really good too. And also just a sense of accomplishment that I, I started a business in 2008 and it, it is still viable in 2023 to the point that somebody wanted to take it over and run with it. And it yeah. feels, feels really good that the legacy of that business will live on and I'll be able to check in on it in the years to come be like, Oh, that was my baby. It's, it left and went to college and now it's, it's an adult doing its thing. It's a living, breathing business. So mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, that, that was funny. I heard that part this morning too, where I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I started this thing and <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. I guess a few people like it, yeah, you know, and people seem to like it. Yeah. Now it's served a lot of people, which feels really good. I want to continue with the pregnancy thing a oh. little bit. So uh, there's something that I think could be helpful to some people. So as I said, uh, we took a break after that, you know, Heal, yeah. yeah, just give it a pause, regroup, let your body rest and recalibrate. Yeah. And we've both continued to take supplements and eat foods that are supportive of that. And we're making sure that you have as stress-free life as possible and can just be in your own creative process with your podcast and not be grinding like you used to do as yeah. a popular speaker in New York City and writing your book and putting your book out like you've accomplished so much in your life. So we're setting the table and um, I feel like everything is fertile and the environment in our home and in our lives. I, my womb is so juicy. It's ready. So juiced up. So the fact that it hasn't happened way. yet has become a bit of a curiosity because it happened so easily and quickly the first time. Yeah. And I was like, we weren't, I don't like following cycle, you know, just do the thing and it happens, you know? But anyway, I don't know if it was you mentioned it or I did, whatever I did. you did. You're like, Hey honey, maybe you, you know, take a sperm test just to find out or whatever. And it's funny because I just literally that never crossed my mind because I feel so vital and I'm, you know, I'm 52, but it's like, I mean, I've made a career partly out of just learning about ways to take care of myself and I have energy and great sleep and I feel I physically look pretty 
um, young for my age and whatnot. So I thought, well, it wouldn't hurt, you know, it's not kicking in again. So we might as well find out. So you guys, I went on and I have no affiliation with this company. It's just, I don't even know how I found it. It's called fellow. I think it's fellow.com. And you send them a, a sample of your sperm and they send you back the results of your test. And I'm literally just going through the motions. Like, oh, I'll do this just so we know. And just so <laughs> Allison feels, you know, <laughs> informed or whatever. And I get the test back and my dudes and my dudettes, mm-hmm. it comes in this report that's, you know, got these kind of infographics and it looks like a credit report where there's a circle. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of brutal. And there's a spectrum from green on one end to red on the other end. And then it, you know, it says like, very poor, poor, okay, blah, blah, blah. I get this shit back and it's like poor and I'm in the red. Like all the way in the red. Yeah, like the needle is buried in the red. (laughs) And I'm going, there's got to be a mistake that they mix up my sample with an 80-year-old. What is happening Mm. here? I mean, just the care with which I live my life and my avoidance of EMFs and, and all the things. So I'm like, okay, this that's good information. No wonder. And also the motility. There's other things I didn't even know. I mean, I kind of knew what sperm count is because males around the planet have historically low sperm counts now. And there's a number of reasons for that, but that was low. The motility was low. It's like chances of fertility low. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you got an F. So then of course I immediately go online and start researching like what kills sperm count. And, And there were a number of things that weren't relevant to me. One of the things that I stumbled upon was hot, taking hot tubs. And I'm like, oh, I don't really take hot tubs. And then I read further. It was like, and saunas. And I'm just sitting there going, you have got to be effing kidding me. I've been taking saunas since I was a kid, literally. And in the past few years, especially after we got in our house and I set up the- We have two beautiful ones. We have two, two saunas. I mean, talk about like enjoying saunas. I have two because they both have different features I enjoy. Mm-hmm. The one that I probably use the most is the one by my by myself that I jump in in the morning when we do a sauna together. We use the sunlight and sauna here up right up down the- hallway here. I hop in the sauna space and it's the one with the red lights. And when your uh, male genitalia is exposed to red light, it's scientifically proven that it increases your testosterone. So I'm sitting in that sauna a few times a week with the red light right on me thinking I'm making myself more fertile, going out into the sun, laying naked in the backyard, getting lots of sun because that improves your hormonal balance and testosterone. So I find this out And I'm like, out of all the experts I've interviewed about sauna therapy, Mm. I consider myself to be very knowledgeable about the benefits of sauna therapy. In fact, this week, yesterday, an episode came out all about sauna therapy. And I'm like, how did I miss this piece? But I probably missed it because I never wanted to have kids. And if I learned earlier in life that that was one of the side effects of saunas, I would have taken more of them because I didn't want to have kids. Right. So I immediately stopped taking saunas. Um, I've taken a couple with the assistance of an ice pack strategically placed, but still I'm just kind of avoiding that. And then, so I research further and find that taking exogenous testosterone or testosterone replacement therapy is also horrible for your sperm. Yeah, double whammy. And I started a very low dose protocol on that a couple, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago, something like that with no clue. I mentioned that to uh, Fionn, our landscaper the other day. And I was like, yeah, bro, like my sperm. I said, yeah, it's saunas and testosterone. He's like, oh, you're taking testosterone? He goes, oh yeah, it's male birth control. 
I was like, why, did, how did no one mention this to me? So needless to say, yeah. I have, you know, I've stopped all of that and I'm taking all kinds of African herbs and different things. Uh, Spermidine, that great company, Prime, Primadine makes a, a Spermidine product that is in clinical studies has shown to improve sperm motility uh, and the number of sperm. So I'm on the healing journey and I'm fully confident that based yeah. on all the other health interventions that I employ on a regular basis, that I will get them back up to my... 20 something levels again, but yeah, that was, that was a real bummer. I'm just grateful that I followed your cue there and got that test and then educated myself. So I shared that only for um, the benefit of anyone listening. If you are a couple or you're a man that is in the process of wanting to conceive, mm -hmm. that's really important bits of information to be aware of because yeah. you might even be a, a younger virile guy. And if you take a lot of saunas and you're basically your testicles don't like to be heated up because that inhibits their ability to produce sperm. And yeah. so, you know, it's like the good news and the bad news, but I'm happy that we found out and, you know, right. yeah, thank I'm going to take a test in a, a month or so again, after I've got a two month break. And, you know, obviously we're going to actively keep ourselves on the journey of conception and all that but it's just like oh my god i mean i just never thought it's like can't be me you know what i mean well yeah that's what <laughs> it was, I was very say, humbling thank you, you know yeah thank you for being willing to honestly share that because i know initially when you when those results popped up on the computer screen like yeah I, I know it was a bit confronting and confusing and um yeah it was sensitive for just like a hot minute there you know because it was just so unexpected so yeah, I appreciate your willingness to do it. And it is intriguing, you know, to your point you're just making. It's, I always hate to generalize things. And on the pregnancy journey, it, the finger nine times out of 10 always points to the woman, you know, and it's like, I don't know how and when that kind of system got in place. And I, I'm not pointing a finger and trying to blame anyone for making that happen, but it's just like, that seems to be just the case, you know, if, if there's a couple who it's taken a while to conceive or anything along those lines, I feel like even within the marriage and certainly outside of it at community, friends, family, I feel like nine times out of 10, the eyes and fingers point toward, you know, well, what's going on with her or what different measures should she take? And it's like, so I'm just glad because I feel like this brings liberating healing medicine to that whole old patterning. Yeah. And I'm glad that you were willing, you know, I just, I remember getting that intuitive hit, you know, and the, like you said, the journey continues, but I, in my womb, when I tune into my womb and my body, I feel super juicy and super like ready. And, and that, yeah, that, that just intuitive curiosity pinged in of like his sperm. I just remember having that awareness and being sensitive when I brought that up. Cause I know how I've been sensitive at times when you're like, Allison, why have you, are you still taking this supplement? And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, get off my nuts. <laughs> but yeah. So thank yeah. God you didn't get hey, all weird. And there are those who know, and there are those that don't know. Aren't you glad, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good information, yeah. but yeah, it was funny too. Initially it was a little bit of an affront to my masculinity sure. in a way. It's like, I don't know if you're, you're impotent, you know, it's like, what, I can't reproduce it. It's just a weird feeling initially, because it's, even if I wasn't on the journey of getting pregnant, I think I would 
prefer to know that I could if I wanted to. Sure. Just just the animal male body awareness of just going like, oh, there's something wrong with me. It's like a feeling of being weak or not up to par or Mm -hmm. incapable or something like that. I really enjoy feeling very capable of everything and anything that I endeavor to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, it's very deflating. Yeah. So it's a a weak sauce feeling there, you know. But just short, you you were able to make it. I mean, it was like a few minutes. Yeah. You know, not, no, it wasn't like a thing that I went through for weeks or something. It's just like, oh, what the hell? But when you (laughs) came to me, you did get emotional too. So you had a couple of moments, but yeah, yeah, you managed it very well. Yeah. It was just like, oh man. And it just, it it frightened me too, because I'm just like, oh man, we can't delay this. You know, I feel this sense of kind of urgency around it. So it's just like, God, every month counts in my mind. So, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to habituate myself as I have to help that along and Mm -hmm. retest. And I'm quite confident that we'll be able to bring it back and, and, yeah. and have our baby and, and do the damn yeah, thing. And God, God got us as well. You know, we're, yeah. we're fully with it. Oh my God. I know. This was deep. You know, you guys listen, we, we, Allison had a few notes and thank God, you know, but we had a powwow before we started and, you know, we're like, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? And I said, well, no, you just, lead it and she's like i don't want to do that you know well i know i didn't have a problem leading i just didn't want to have to carry the yeah, show. yeah 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 but I, so, I i could steer the ship so we didn't really have a set curriculum today but we'll, we'll make note for another time we can talk about our tantric retreat weekend with don cartwright she's just such a in my opinion masterful teacher and I had a lot of beautiful openings in a lot of different ways, and I still feel them. There's a different energetic current that ever since that time presents itself when I'm in a certain location that's just, um, I haven't been able to put nail down my finger on what is happening around me that then opens up that energetic current that you've watched, like when we were in Costa Rica, you know, I don't want to label it as like full body orgasm, but it's like kind of of that essence, but it will just arise when I'm on like mystical land or if I'm at a very powerful geographical location in the world and that type and texture and movement of energetic, I have noticed happens since our tantric retreat weekend. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of beautiful teachings there. We, we can dive into that another time. And we also, the other cool thing I was hoping we'd have time for, but didn't how in relational dynamics, how there is obviously an opportunity for growth and for certain lessons and things that need to kind of come to the surface. And when that happens, how it's possible to be in that dance and in that evolutionary process, but with grace, with self-regulation, with emotional, healthy, emotional restraint, and not having either person beyond offense and defense and how key that is. I feel like that's such an important relational, whether it's friends or sacred union, it's such a important thing. So we're going to have to dive into that more. Yeah. I think next time we sit down, maybe we'll map it out a little more and hit some specific points around just like relationship tools and things like that. Because I, I feel like we do a pretty damn good job. Incredibly good. In fact, it's, I mean, we've never had a fight and we've been together for a few years and we have had disagreements, but it, 
we hold them in what I just described. Exactly. And that's what makes them not turn into yeah. fights. I mean, people have had feelings, but no one's name called, slammed the door. I did. Shut the person out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. back and forth. It's. Yeah. I have thrown a couch cushion, not at you. But I did throw you a couch did cushion. You throw a couch cushion. You know, yeah, but you that's felt a, so bad too and embarrassed. I, I, I like, collapsed in a shame pile in our in our bedroom I was closet. Like, Babe, you just felt some feelings. It's okay. Yeah, I but, did. I felt horrible. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of value to to share there, you know, and just yeah, yeah the management of one's own inner experience. But I think. And now I'll start going into it. I don't want to get too deep, but it's a really interesting dance of autonomy, right? Where you have your inner experience of who you are and all the feels, all your thoughts, all your beliefs, everything that makes you you. I have that, but I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. But then there's a third energy, a third entity that is the relationship, the container of the, the relationship wherein our individual autonomous expressions of ourselves interact. And so I'm responsible for my feelings, thoughts, and behavior. You're responsible for your feelings, thoughts, and behavior. And then in the dance of the relationship is where those mix. And I think for me, that's so interesting and ever expanding and also just makes living together and doing our life together so oh much gosh. easier and just more peaceful, right? Well, because we it's have... It's like, you're not responsible for my feelings. I'm not responsible for your feelings. And I'm also, we both have such an astute and profound self-awareness, conscious awareness of self that we're not going to allow ourselves to get pulled and swept into other people, into the other person's stuff either. Like, it, yeah. And, and yeah. there's so it's much like that we're the watching. time that you had your outburst and through the couch cushion. And there was one other time where you needed to express to me uh, yeah. that you needed to be heard and yeah. you didn't feel like I was hearing you. And so you're, you know, yelling, but it's still not a fight. You're just like fucking pissed. Expressing. Yeah. But in both those situations, I mean, you know, my nervous system, of course, is bracing a little bit because there's some intensity in the room that is sort of unexpected, but it didn't make me angry or want to retaliate. That's why it's not a fight because I'm not reacting to that. Like, whoa, I got to be right. It's just that's the not offense defense thing. Yeah. It's where just, you're always saying we're on the same team. Yeah. It's just, wow, this is interesting. This is a little intense. And because you're not reacting and you're able to regulate and hold then there's nowhere for me on an unconscious or conscious level to try to latch into there's that creates a hook. hook into. There's exactly. nothing to hook into. Yeah. Because I know it's not about me. Yeah. It's about your feelings. But here's <laughs> you're the having, thing. You're having some feelings and I might be a character playing a role in the experience of you having those feelings, but they're your feelings. Correct. And that is such a masterful way that now it's like, and I'm so now used to us being like that, that it has exponentially raised the bar now for all of my relationships 
whether that's family, friends, work, like all of my relationships. And I am so accustomed now to this very, very, in my uh, humble opinion, it's an incredibly high level way, a very masterful way of communicating, of relating, of disagreeing that, oh my gosh, when something different than that occurs, you know, it's, I'm like, whoa, it has set the bar very differently for all my relations now because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this is what it needs to be and should be ideally and in, in, in all of my relating. And so when I notice the absence of that high level way, it's um very noticeable and jarring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very empowering to, to have built a strong presence in the witness observer. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, I mean, we were driving in the car yesterday and you got a text that you found annoying and we're out having fun. Like everything's fun. And then your mood shifted a little bit and you were like, ah, what the fuck? Ah." It wasn't about me at all, but I was, we were having fun. Like, I'm like, do the fun thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like you had a moment where some emotions came up and the highest service I could provide for myself. And this was like not a big deal at all. I'm just giving the most recent example that pops in my mind, but it is an example of this practice. The highest service I can be to myself in that moment or to you in that moment is for me to observe the minor discomfort I'm feeling because I'm now holding space for you to express some feelings about something not related to me. If I wasn't aware the moment those sensations appeared in my body and I was unconscious and asleep to them, that would likely manifest as me being annoyed with you and wanting you to be different than you are in that moment and not being able to resist the temptation of expressing my discontent and my desire for you to be different and wanting to then not wanting to, but unconsciously negating your feelings and your experience and having no space for your feelings because I'm overwhelmed by my sensations and my feelings. Right? So just a few deep breaths, just going, Hmm, noticing as I'm driving, there's, I feel a little uncomfortable in my body because my beloved is having a minor yet, different experience than she was 20 minutes ago, right? A little breathing, a little presence, letting you know I understand, creating space for you to share, not trying to change you, not giving you unsolicited feedback or advice, just listening, being present, keep myself chill. Yeah. The unsolicited advice is super annoying. Oh, that's yeah. Any men listening? I mean, I, Anybody. Okay. <laughs> if a, I mean, I'm just going to say to the boys out there, to the fellas, if a woman is having a strong emotional experience and hasn't asked you for your advice or to fix their problem, I, I will give you some unsolicited advice, you listener. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. And say, uh, yeah, it's kind of a paradox there. Um, don't try to fix the problem. We're going to give unsolicited advice on you will I'm just giving you guys a gift you will only make things worse I mean sometimes with you it's like 
you have to ask me two or three times, like, okay, like I'm done. What do you think? I like talk and tell me. Yeah. yeah and I, I make sure you're ready because I don't want to interfere in your process or, but I'm also an incredibly efficient self-regulator and you get are. back on tracker. You are. So let's button up the story with that is like, you are. well, exactly. Then Okay. I'm just letting you know my practice and a few yeah. minutes go by, you process your frustration with the situation, which was minor, but still annoying. I mean, I was, I would have been annoyed too. It was like, what? This is stupid. Yeah. And then, you Don't know, stoops. a few minutes, a few minutes go by and you just express your feelings. You vocalize a little and tell me, you know, how dumb this thing is. And then, then we were just having a great time again. Like nothing happened, but that could have gone much differently and could have escalated yeah, no, it would have, and could have been a really like shitty... Like if you had looked at me and been like, calm down, I've been like, calm down. This is super whack because of yeah. ABCD and like, yeah. yeah, I would have just riled my fire up. So having agency over one's experience, being witness to one's sensations and emotions and thoughts, it's like, it's not about not saying the wrong thing and escalating it's about having the awareness of the first sensation you have in your body that's slightly uncomfortable that is going to eventually evolve into saying the wrong thing that's coming from a reactionary place, a defensive place, an offensive place, or a place of absent-mindedness and a lack of presence. You know, it's all about fierce present and regulating the nervous system. It's a beautiful way to live. I have to know? watch where my emotional charge fire levels are like if i'm feeling heightened emotions of whatever kind like that is my main first cue that i need to like breathe walk into a bit of a different room to downcharge to downgrade the fire a couple of notches at least and then that's taken me quite a long time to to be able to actually execute i've evolved a lot with it but yeah the emotional fire level is a big watch point yeah. for me so anyways it makes it, all right my darling i love you so much thank you for presence in my life thank Likewise. you for being the incredible human being that you are thanks the awesome magnificent feminine woman who lives in her <laughs> power and silliness and you're just so interesting to me and i just <laughs> adore you you're just always entertaining and just fascinating to me you're just a fascinating being and um well i love that i am that for you and yeah thank you for yeah just the way you love me i can't imagine there being another human walking planet earth that would be able to be with me and celebrate me and hold space for me and be patient with me and just love me the way that you do i'm like yeah. so grateful for it every day i am too i'm a lucky guy I, I still can't believe like in 2017 we met you were single and intentionally you were off yeah. the market you know i mean i can't believe you lasted out there uh, on, on the open market. On the streets of New York? <laughs> yeah, on the streets of New York and the open market between 2017 and whatever it was we got together. Dates always elude me, but I'm like, what? how did you not get snatched up? We were meant to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, the stars aligned and we finally recognized what many other people saw on that first meeting. Like, wow, you guys have a vibe, you know? And yeah. I'm glad we caught on. So let's go live happily uh -huh. ever after. Yes. Thank you for voyaging with us, everyone. And so it is. So it is.
Woo-wee! What a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.